It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host, Adam Force. Today, we are going with Kenny Ewan from... With These guys are using technology in the SMS space to help smallholder uh, agricultural farmers. Um, essentially, there are like 500 million smallholder farmers um, in the world, and most of them live on less than a dollar a day. Uh, so with without getting too lengthy into it... Um, the approach they're taking is they created a network, a peer-to-peer service that actually helps farmers share information over SMS so they don't need the internet. Um, and they're able to basically ask questions and it goes to a database, let's say, of 100,000 farmers. And then their technology will find the best farmers to answer that question. And these guys can get an answer within 24 hours or something. Um, it's a really amazing uh, technology and it has proven to be super beneficial. They've raised some big rounds of Funding, so we're going to talk about that as well. Um, so keep uh, listening, and we're going to dive into that conversation in just a minute. Um, as a reminder, we have released our big edition with Nobel Peace Prize winner Dr. Muhammad Yunus. It is out now. It's in uh, iTunes and Google Play. You can start a 30-day free trial to check it out, guys. That's four weeks to just cruise the magazine. We have also added an amazing feature we know you're going to love, which is to listen to the articles on the go. Every feature article is now uh, accompanied by a voiceover narration, so you can hear the article word for word. So if you're on the go, walking around the city, on the subway, riding a bike, you could still listen to this content. Uh, All right, guys, let's dive into this conversation. Stop by, leave us reviews, five stars, comments, all that good stuff. We appreciate it. Hey, Kenny, thanks for joining the Change Creator. Hey, Adam, no problem. It's a pleasure. I'm doing pretty well. Awesome. Um, well, I'm excited. That, you know, I've actually known about you guys for a while, um, and I'm I'm really interested in what you're doing. I think it's really cool, um, and I haven't really seen too much like it. So I'm curious on how this all started. So can you take us back? Um, you know, before We Farm, what were you doing, and then how did this idea come to life for you? Sure. Uh, take a step back in uh, the midst of time. Uh, so my my background. Kind of by accident was uh, was working in, in Latin America. Uh, I worked for a social enterprise and NGO there. After after graduating with a degree in architecture, uh, I went to help them build construction projects uh, for six months. Uh, ended up staying for seven years, uh, and specialized in or ended up specializing in uh, building fish farms in indigenous communities. Uh, but really, a range of, of projects, uh, mostly in isolated communities in the High Andes, the Amazon basin. Had the chance to work across uh, Latin America, and obviously through that, got a lot of exposure to to, to life in these communities and the reality. Uh, but I think, I guess, what stuck out for me was was getting insight into the the grassroots innovations and the exciting things that people were developing, the solutions to their own problems. And I think coming by accident into the NGO sector, I you know, being perfectly honest, I wasn't always a fan of the kind of NGO projects that I saw being done. Uh, and I guess those are the seeds for me of, of, of trying to do something a bit different with, with information and knowledge. Very cool. Very cool. And and so when you started, I guess, WeFarm, um, 
you guys have done some pretty big rounds of funding, if I remember correctly. I know I've read some stuff about you in the media. Um, <clears throat> how did this start, though, when it was when it was just an idea? Like, what were some of the first steps you started taking to, like, when I think about something like this, it's kind of like, it's like, wow, well, how do you even begin to organize getting, you know, all these people in the network and, like, structuring the model? Like, where does, where does so an entrepreneur start? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think for me, I was, so after my time in Peru, I, I, I came to work in, in the UK for, I was part of a two-person two startup team for, for a new NGO uh, based out of London, but, but working with small-scale farmers uh, specifically across, uh, across East Africa and, and Latin America. Uh, lucky enough to have uh, a great partner there in, in, in Claire, who, who also helped in a lot of the setup of, of what became WeFarm. Um, Together, I guess we put together ideas uh, on what would become WeFarm and started to test it uh, while we were, you know, still working uh, with with the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, we were already working with farming groups, uh, so we had we had cooperatives and groups of farmers that we could start to test our ideas with. Uh, we got some grant funding um, originally to to build the first prototype of this to bootstrap together, you know, something that would would let us test the ideas, which we did with with small groups of farmers in, in Kenya, Tanzania, and Peru. Uh, you know, I think we really wanted to get farmers involved in the design, really wanted to, you know, not just parachute in something from London. Um, and to be honest, it took a long time. And it, it was it was three or four years of, of real graft and, you know, tiny bootstrapped uh, MVPs that, 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 you know, we had to put in those hard yards to, to more than anything else, to get people to listen to us. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned through the whole WeFarm journey is that people do not accept new ideas easily. Uh, and it took a long time for people to actually say, you know, this is a good idea. We want to back it. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. So, you know, you're doing all these, um, you know, I guess, minimum viable products to test. And this is over three and four years. So for, for an SMS solution like this, um, I'm curious, I guess, you know, you, you, it sounds like you had some interesting lessons, which is that people didn't want to accept new ideas. But if you're doing SMS where you're sending messages, what is what kind of stuff are you getting the community involved with? Like, what were, I guess, what were the tests that you were running? Like, how do they get involved when it comes to just an SMS model? Sure. So, I mean, I think just to be clear, when I when I say it was tough to get people to accept the idea, that was never the case with the farmers themselves. Okay. Uh, that was more the case in the, in the ecosystem and the funders and you know people who were trying to you know get to back us gotcha. to do this. Um, you know, there was this, I guess, inbuilt opinion that, you know, the status quo that, that really what, what you know, essentially what poor farmers needed was, was Western NGOs or Western governments to come in and tell them what to do. Um, uh, and I think, you know, gradually you've seen a changing of that mentality, but to build a true bottom-up solution where, where farmers were sharing information with each other, you know, people looked at us with open mouth skepticism on this. Um, <laughs> and it's taken a long time to change that. Yeah. But in terms of what we were doing with the farmers on SMS, I mean, we started off with, with, with very basic stuff. I mean, we mapped it out on paper. We, we, we really did the kind of human-centered design approach where, you know, we asked farmers to think about, you know, what was the last time they heard an idea at the market or the last time that their friends described something they were doing on the farm that, that they would like to implement themselves. And we just started collecting those ideas and mapping out those, those ways that people just naturally learn about things from each other. Um, and essentially, we just then started to create a system where, where we could do that digitally. In our case, you know, although we have a lot of sophisticated technology behind the scenes, you know, machine learning algorithms and all the rest of it, the interface we're dealing with is, is generally extremely simple on an SMS. Um, so how do you how do you take 
that way that farmers communicate and sophisticated technology and bring those together so that you can run things through a single SMS. Yeah. So were you and your partner, I guess, they, you guys were tech savvy. Were you guys doing the actual um, algorithm development and such? Uh, I'd, I'd love to say yes, but uh, unfortunately, no. Um, uh, no, I mean, uh, Claire and I's backgrounds were much more on the kind of social development side mm-hmm. and, and, and projects and, um, you know, the community development side. Uh, we had uh, a lot of uh, outside help in, in building our first systems. You know, I've, I'm, I'm reasonably tech-savvy, but certainly not uh, right. good enough to be uh, doing the sort of algorithms that we use now. Um, our first... Uh, our first Genuine MVP, minimum viable product, which we launched in, in 2015 that came out of all that testing was, was built externally. And, um, you know, that was what took us through our first year as a business. Uh, and, uh, you know, now we have a, we have a full in-house tech team these days. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And it, it's, it's powerful because a lot of people, um, you know, especially, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, when they have these ideas, they don't know how to, I guess, start bringing them to life. So it's really helpful for them to hear how other people do these things. And I'm curious just to like to their, to meet their need, uh, team building is a really big part of the process, especially when it comes to tech. And I know in my experience, it's, I've had such hit or miss luck with people I bring on board. Did you guys have any kind of strategy for getting the right people on board? Um, again, again, I'd love to. I'd love to say yes that it was all planned out from the beginning. But uh, I mean, I think in, in these things, you, you need a combination of of you know real hard work and, and willingness to take the plunge, which I yeah. think is, is is one of the key things I see in, in people who actually you know to get to, to that first step of, of launching your startup of just that mental leap of actually yeah. uh, throwing yourself into it. And I think on the other side, you need a bit of luck, right? I mean, you know, none of us really know what we're doing when we start out. If this is our <laughs> first startup. Um, and generally speaking, if you can find a couple of other really passionate, really engaged people to, to do it with you, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to be able to do some good things. And, you know, we were very lucky to have some very, very good people that joined us early and, and have put a huge amount into to building uh, WeFarm. Um, you know, we got some luck along the way. I, I, I gave a talk on WeFarm before it was even launched yeah. um, at, a, at an event in, in Wales. And I was speaking in a PP uh, and a guy walked up to me uh, at the end of the event and said that he owned a big development company and would love to build it for free. Wow. Um, which um, turned out to be a real offer and he really did do that. <laughs> um, so we built our MVP for free externally. And, and, you know, sometimes you need those bits of luck along the way, right? Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, and some people call it luck, but the only reason that happened is because you went out there and did that talk. So you put yourself out there and it's kind of like the universe responded. Sure. You know, I'd, yeah, I'd like to think so. And obviously we've done a number of other things where, where things didn't work out. But if you have enough hustle and you, you get enough done, and you're, you're going to get those breaks, I guess. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, persistence is a key factor. And you hear the similar stories all the time. It's not like everybody has everything perfectly mapped out and strategized. You kind of like have this idea and you just start picking away at it. And you never know what kind of opportunities are going to knock on your door as you do that. So it sounds like you guys had some really good wins um, and the idea was attractive for people. So they, they um, you know, put their, their time behind it. Um, what, I, what I find most interesting, though, is your challenge of getting people to to accept this new idea. And I'm curious to dig into that a little bit more. So if you came to me and I'm an investor and I'm hearing, 
we're going to basically in like crowdfund information for farmers so that we can hire have higher yields and save you know our agricultural um, stocks. Okay, that sounds amazing. And so you're going to do this offline using SMS, and you have this huge idea with a network. What what's not attractive? What was the heart? Why were they not accepting this idea? So this has been a curve for us because you know we're not a tech startup. We're VC backed. We you know albeit with a social mission and we have a social purpose, but we're we're not a tech startup. But we started off as you know when we were first building this, we were essentially an NGO project. Uh, so we started off, I guess, talking to funders in the, in more of the kind of philanthropic space and, and foundations. And, you know, I think naturally that that world tends to be slightly more conservative. Um, I, I think we did have a big problem with the bottom-up approach. I think people were just very skeptical that farmers could help solve challenges from other farmers. And you know, I think a lot of people were really scared that that would lead to, like, bad things happening. You know, the, the whole NGO model is really based on the fact that you have these NGOs coming in and doing that on the behalf of those people, you know, rather than facilitating them to talk to themselves. So, you know, I think people have come around to it, but I think it was it was a challenging idea in that environment. Uh, once we stepped into the startup space and, you know, we launched as a business in 2015, um, you know, we've, I think we found a lot more openness to the idea uh, within the tech community. But I think it's fair to say there was still a lot of, of challenges to overcome. I mean, you know, you just described that conversation with an investor. I mean, even now, I mean, we have almost half a million users now and, and growing by, you know, two or three thousand a day. I, I still walk into investors' offices now and they, we talk it through with them and they, you know, it's, it's Africa, it's poor farmers, it's SMS. You know, this is a hard sell for, for an investor that is used to backing, you know, apps and much more sophisticated technology. Um, yeah. So even today, it's still a, a hard sell for us at times. But then we tend to find awesome investors who just really get it. And, you know, I guess the other side of the coin from the kind of clumsy technology of SMS is that we are the only people doing this. We're the only people, you know, building trust and community amongst huge numbers of users. Yeah. And I think, you know, some investors just really get it very quickly and see how special that is. Yeah, I, I see it too. And I'm, you know, we're obviously in the social impact space and I think it's such an amazing thing <laughs> that you're, what you're doing. It doesn't, you know, it, it's technology that's relevant for the space that you're trying to break through and support. So it's the best way to do that as far as we can tell. And it seems to be getting huge traction. So I want to say congratulations because I think it's really awesome. <laughs> I mean, and it's not easy, man. I mean, it's so difficult. And what, what really impressed me is like, I was just reading about your numbers and I was like, man, how do you like get so many, how do you get all these farmers on board with this to sign up? Cause I know like, just for example, I'm a huge fan of like mass um, collaboration and NASA does the same thing where they have a huge database and if they can't solve a problem, they will actually send an email out. It could be like professors at a, a middle school, like for science class or whoever that is on this list. And they'll get an answer within 72 day, 72 hours from somebody who answered a question that they couldn't answer all year, you know? So they, they, information right. they crowdfund information in a similar way yeah i mean i mean yeah i mean we're now i think about 63 percent of our questions are answered within 24 hours which which were wow. you know we can get that better but i think we're pretty proud of, of what we've achieved on that um you know I, I mean you know essentially how it works is a farmer sends us an sms on a problem you know we pick up that message uh we analyze it um using machine learning algorithms to basically understand everything we can about what that farmer is trying to say you know what they're farming their history etc uh, and we basically use that analysis to get that specific question to you know a small small percentage of the users on our platform that we we know can answer that one question 
uh, and then get them an answer, you know, back through WeFarm within that 24-hour period. Uh, so again, you know, I mean, the channel we're using now is SMS because, as you said, it's a it's a relevant channel for these farmers. They don't have smartphones, they don't have access to the right. internet. But for really, for us, it's about this idea of collaboration, and um, you know, you're just using whatever the, the the most relevant channel is. Ultimately, for us, we'll be channel agnostic. It doesn't matter to me if if our farmers are accessing us through, you know, Facebook or Twitter or or, or through SMS. It's about the content and about building the, this collaboration between people. You know, Netflix started off by sending DVDs through the post to people, right? Um, it doesn't mean that once you know the technology catches up, they they can't build the you know the the awesome online platforms that they have. You know, if you can if you can build trust with people through the channel that they have, ultimately they'll follow you on the journey. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean it's it's great. Um, so I, I guess you know you talked about the algorithms and all those things, which is all that tech stuff. And um, you know I, that was a question I had, which was okay. So you got all these farmers now, and they're asking these questions. How, I, w- I was going to say, how do you like? Does every farmer get every question? How do you like get rid of like? Is there junk questions that are irrelevant that are just kind of like you know shouldn't be there? How do you sift through all this stuff? And and then you talk about getting it to the right person or right group of people. Um, I'm any. I mean, I guess there's a lot of tech behind that, but just a high level, like how do you manage the questions? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, we're getting increasingly sophisticated at this. Um, you know, when we started off and we launched our, our, our first version of, of the system, it was pretty clunky and a little scattergun in its approach. So, you know, questions would, would just get fired randomly to people. Yeah. Um, but now we've, we've learned a huge amount and obviously our algorithms get better. So, yeah, I mean, the first thing that happens when a question comes in is it goes through various filters, including spam filters. You know, like everybody else, we get a you know a, a small percentage of, of spam questions and yep. you know things that are just not relevant, which we filter out very quickly. Um, from then on, what we're looking for is is who's the best person to answer that question. So you know, commonly we get questions about you know crop diseases or animal keeping. So we look at people's history. We look at how they've interacted with us before, and and you know we know that you know this this lady over here or this guy over here, they're they're the experts in answering the rabbit question or the question on coffee rust disease or whatever it might be. Uh, and so the algorithm, obviously, within a you know a fraction of a second, is making those um, making those decisions on on who is best placed to answer that one question. Mm. Generally speaking, we send a question to to roughly twenty people at the moment, uh, of which we know statistically we'll get two answers uh, back to the farmer. Uh, that started at 90 um, before before uh, our, our, our back when we launched. Uh, it's now down to 20. We expect it to fall further to, to single digits wow. eventually as we get better and better at choosing. Um, and obviously, there's some questions we can start to answer automatically because they've been answered so many times before. Um, so we're getting better and better. And, and, and I think, no, it's certainly fair to say that every question does not go to every user. Um, <laughs> we're already processing about... Uh, about 4 million pieces of content a month. So that wow. would quickly become fairly overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really cool, really cool. Um, and so how did you go, I guess right now you're nonprofit, right? So you, what is your financial model? Are you just continuing to get grants and funding or it, where is the income coming in for you and your team um, from like just thinking from a business standpoint as an entrepreneur here? 
Sure. So no, we're we're not a we're not a nonprofit. Um, you know, that's that's where we started as as a project. Okay. Uh, we launched in 2015 as a as a social business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're a company limited by shares. Um, uh, just a normal company, but with a social mission ingrained into our into our uh, articles of association and. Uh, the NGO that we originally uh, piloted, WeFarmin, they have they have the control of that social mission statement, uh, which ties us to those those roots. Um, but in other respects, we're just a normal business. Um, our our business model is based around two things really. I mean, one is is the data that we get out of of all of these aggregated uh, interactions with our system. Mm-hmm. So these farmers are essentially the world supply chain. They're the world's commodities markets. You know, coffee, tea, sugar. You know, some of the most highly traded commodities in the world. They're ultimately um, the, the base of the supply chain for some of the world's biggest businesses. Uh, and using, you know, hundreds of thousands of conversations every week, we can start to, to analyze disease patterns, ripening periods, you know, fertilization issues, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, which is valuable data for, for the people buying these products at an aggregated level. Um, the other side is then, you know, building that trusted community. We're able to start helping farmers to, to access the products and services that they, they buy anyway. So, you know, at the moment, about 3% of all the content we get from farmers is, is for them looking to, to access loans, to be able to buy a cow, or for them to get, you know, uh, better prices on their fertilizer, or even buy and sell things with each other. Um, so we're starting to create products where, where farmers can effectively do what they're already trying to do on WeFarm. So, you know, look, tell people something that they want to buy, or tell, some, some, uh, tell people something they want to sell, or get access to loans or products, uh, and just us to, to basically facilitate that, that ecosystem. Mm. Um, so we, I guess we have business models in both the B2C and the B2B side. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I guess I could see how that network can really turn into a lot of interesting ideas based on that. So I, I'm interested to see where all that goes. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's Go ahead. Sorry, it's, it's, uh, you know, one of the challenges for us is, is, is actually just concentrating and building you know, one or two products at a time because <laughs> yeah. there's so many potential things that we can do. You know, when you know we're on a path, we'll, we'll have a million farmers using us by by early next year. You know, obviously tens of millions, hopefully in the next few years. But you know, once once we have those numbers of farmers, there's a, a lot of things that we can do both commercially and and socially. I think when we get that power in in the supply chain, and you know, one of the things we'd really like to do is, is give the farmer more voice in that supply chain. Yeah. You know, right now they they sell a you know a pound of coffee sold in the Western world. You know, a penny of that is going back to the farmer. Um, you know, and, and if we, we have all the farmers using WeFarm, we can, we can change that. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, that's, uh, yeah, I could just see a huge future in that. So that should be really cool. And, and I'm curious then how many people do you guys have on your team at this point? Uh, so right now I think we're 23, um, uh, here in London, we have most of our, our data science and, and, and technology team and some senior management. And then, uh, we have offices in, in Kampala and Nairobi where we have, uh, awesome teams that, uh, do more in the marketing and mm. kind of engagement side of things. Okay. Very cool. And when you were going for your first round of funding, um, how did you, uh, how did you find an investor? And, you know, this is a big question for 80% of entrepreneurs who can't get, you know, their scale their business because they can't get the funding. So uh, I always like to try to dig into the funding conversation. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your experience in, you know, not only preparing yourself for funding and then identifying the right person, like how is your process there? Sure. I mean, no, I mean, it's a big challenge. And I think, for us as a, a social mission-driven business and, you know, working in Africa, going out to raise VC funding had, a, I guess, an additional layer of challenge. 
and it's something I'm, I'm really proud of the, the quality of VC that we got to back our ideas. Um, you know, our, our seed round was led by by Local Globe, or you know, probably the the best seed investor in Europe. Um, and ADV also joined that round. You know, they're a, they're a really big funds and some really great people behind that. So, you know, it's something we're really proud of. Mm. I, I think in terms of how we got there and, and advice, I mean, I, I think right up front, you've got to be able to face a lot of rejection. Um, <laughs> you know, we talked to probably overall 30, 40 investors uh, and a lot of them obviously said no. And, and you know, unless you're, unless you're faced it, that's, that's always going to be the way. Uh, and you have to get used to dealing with that. I think one really key thing is to not be afraid to ask for feedback um, often it's it's not what you're selling, it's the way you're selling it. Yeah. Uh, there's a particular way you have to talk to investors, which is obviously different than the way you might talk to the public or the way you might pitch uh, at a sort of open evening. Uh, and getting to speak an investor's language. Uh, if you can find a mentor who has been a VC or knows that world really well, I'd say that's invaluable in helping you to shape the way that you're talking to investors. Um, I think more than anything else, especially at an early stage, at a seed stage, is get the investor to buy into the big vision. You know, they know that you're pretty early and that you don't necessarily have a lot of traction or whatever. You can't sell what you don't have. But if you can get them to buy into the size of the potential opportunity of, say, in 2027, we are going to have, you know, 50 million users that are doing, you know, X and Y, and this is why it's such a big opportunity. And if you can make that sound, um, you know, like a logical uh, possibility, uh, with, you know, backed up numbers, yeah. then, you know, you're halfway there to, to getting a great investment above. That's a great tip. I love that. And, I, and, you know, that's really important, especially for these early on folks. And I think you guys probably had some beta results, right? So it wasn't just an idea at some point when you were getting your first round and you had, a, I guess, a vision, it sounds like. So is that right? You had a, like a, some beta and then also uh, the vision? Yeah, I mean, I think when we, we first started raising our round, we had about 15,000 15, users. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, fairly haphazardly acquired, but, but they were there. So we had, you know, we had enough to get in the door. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, I think what we were raising money to do was say, all right, we know that we can take this to hundreds of thousands. We also want to rebuild our system and make it a lot more, you know, you know smarter. And, you know, this is where we're going to go with your money. Um, and, you know, fortunately, we, we got people to, to come along the journey with us. And, you know, we're, we're actually in the middle of raising our next round at the moment. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. And um, this is a great conversation. I love what you guys are doing, like I said. And um, I wish you the best of luck on your next round. Let's just give a shout out to where people can learn more about you. So guys, it's WeFarm. That's W-E-F-A-R-M dot org. So WeFarm.org. You can see all the latest data right here. There's a live activity um, section of their homepage and where they're located and everything that's going on. So definitely worth checking them out. Um, some really cool stuff going on here. So Kenny, thanks again for your time and um, we will stay in touch. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast.